What's good? What's good? What's good? We're back at it again with another episode of Beyond the Sport. I'm your host, Rod Jones, and we got a lot of different things that we're going to get into. I first off want to apologize for the fact that I didn't put out an episode last week. I'm still getting acclimated with everything. I'm still trying to get a grasp of how I want to do everything and um, how freaking I want to put out episodes and things of that sort. So continue to work with me. Continue to grow with me. Um, I plan to continue to grow and be better and ultimately be as good as I can be. Um, but like I said, continue to work with me. We've got a lot of great things coming. Um, and speaking of great things coming, this episode we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline coming up on this Thursday at 3 p.m. We're going to also talk a little bit about um, a new segment that I want, and it's called the player profile, the South Carolina player profile to be exact. It'll only be about South Carolina players and, um, and players from the state of South Carolina. Um, and just we're going to talk a little bit about what, what those type players have going on, um, the sports that they're in, you know, just a lot of great things pertaining to them. It'll kind of be a bio, just, you know, put highlights on them and their careers and what they have going. Um, we're going to also talk about another NBA star who is making moves in the entertainment business. And also Super Bowl Sunday, obviously. Who cannot talk about that? But before we get into all those things, man, we're going we're gonna to cue that intro. Let's get it. for the shootout that we all expected. The Patriots won the Super Bowl 13-3. Um, they beat out the Rams, who I would say um, they just didn't come to play. Um, it was, like I said, it was a defensive struggle this entire game. It was a battle of two great defensive. You know, if you watch and you actually, you know, look at the game of football, you really understood what was going on, why nothing was working. Um, and it, you know, it actually is kind of interesting to watch. Um, and you know, I didn't think that it would have went as, you know, low scoring. And you know, I just didn't. I definitely didn't think it would have been as low scoring as it was. I also didn't believe that, you know, Jared Goff and Sean McVay wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, I think where they made a huge mistake, and I think this has to do not necessarily a lot with them being young, but just not necessarily being in the moment. I think ultimately this had to happen. They had to take this loss to be able to get to where they can and have the potential to be one day. Um, but come on, Ty Gurley had 10 carries for 35 yards. You got to find a way to get Ty, Ty Gurley the ball. I mean, he's your best player. You know, on that offense, he's your best player. I don't care about what he did in the NFC Championship. I don't care if he hurt. You have to find some type of way to get him into the ball, get him the ball on such a huge game. This is the Super Bowl we're talking about. The Super Bowl, and you don't get Todd Gurley the ball. You know, he has one reception for negative one yard. No, I understand, but he only and he only had two targets, so we can't get into all this. Oh, he dropped passes, da da da. No, 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 no. It's not like C.J. Anderson was doing great. You know what I'm saying? He had seven carries for 22 yards. So what? Why not find ways to get the ball to Ty Gurley? Why not? What's wrong with it? I don't see why you don't get the ball to him. You know and. I mean, Brandon Cooks, he was their best receiver, eight eight receptions, 120 yards. No touchdowns, but he had two touchdowns in which he should have definitely grabbed. Now, on the first touchdown, I would say um, he was wide open in the end zone. And Devin McCourty came over 
I mean, he, he made a big play. He made a huge play um, from the other side of the field. And he made a huge play to, you know, knock the ball out of a wide-open Brandon Cooks. And in that play, like like I said, it's understandable the fact that he didn't catch it just being that, you know, he was, it was broken up. Jared Goff was late. He did see him late. But Brandon Cooks was so wide open. You know, and they missed out on on the mistake that the Patriots made. You can't miss out on those type of mistakes because they don't make them often. You know, so it, those are just a, that was just a play in which they definitely should have had. Um, and but ultimately, Sean McVay is at fault as well because he didn't notice. You know, you have to. He noticed. I'm sure he noticed, but he didn't pay attention to the fact that Jared Goff wasn't. He wasn't. You know, he was too rattled. Jared Goff was extremely too rattled in this game. You know, like, look, Jared Goff was hit 12 times. He was sacked four times. Why Why do you not find ways to, you know, maybe shake, shake things up a little bit? You punted nine times and you were so quick to, you know, you punted nine times and you were so quick to do it against the Saints. Which is understandable being thirteen being now thirteen and zero. So I mean, all guts, no glory. You know, go. I mean, go go for it all. Do what you got to do to win the game. Understandable. It's fine. It's cool. You know, but you seen just last year the Eagles. This team wasn't statistically better, or on paper they were not better than this Rams team. You know, you got the defensive MVP. And Aaron Donald, who did the best that he can do with what he had going on and against the Patriots offensive line, who only gave up one sack this game. Brady was only hit five times this game. But this this offensive line has done a wonderful job in protecting Brady this year. He, they have. You know, Brady is 41 years old, and he barely gets touched. He's, he gets the ball out in 2.5 seconds. I mean, it's not much you can do with that. It's understandable. And the fact that Aaron Donald and Sue and those boys can't make too much happen in this game. But at the same time, the entire defense, they played a tremendous game. You know, they played a a, a a great game. And I didn't expect for Peters and Tlaib and all of those boys to play as well as they did. So I got, I, you know, I tip off my hat, tip my hat off to those guys. They did a great job. You know, later in the game, you know, Sonny Michelle ended up with um, a touchdown, the only touchdown in the game. You know, he had 18 carries, 94 yards, average five yards a carry. You know, so that's not bad. But, you know, that that's just a defense who have been playing great all game long. And one play, you know, they gave up one big play, a couple big plays, actually, that drive. You know, and, I mean, that's when you you can't make those mistakes against the Patriots because they're going to take advantage of them. They will take advantage of them. I mean, you just can't make those mistakes. Julian Edelman was the MVP of the game. You know, 10 receptions, 141 yards. We're not going to talk about whether or not he deserves it. I don't necessarily believe he deserves it. You got a guy, Stephen Gilmore, who had five solo tackles, you know, he had one forced fumble, three pass breakups, and an interception. So, I mean, the the game winning interception at that, you know, the, the, the interception that sealed the entire game, you have to get – it's a defensive game. You have to give that to, to, to Gilmore. You have to give that to Gilmore. But, I mean, to each his own, however they – you know, whatever they feel – Gilmore was important towards this game, as well as Edelman. Both of them were extremely important to this game. And, you know, tip off the hat to Edelman as well. Tip off the hat. And, you know, like I said, he he did a, a very great job. But as I said before, Edelman is Brady's safety blanket. He's his safety blanket. Without Edelman, Edelman, how would they have won? I don't see it. I don't see it at all. 
at all. Chris Hogan was blanket. Chris Hogan didn't even get a target the entire game. A target. He wasn't even targeted. So they completely took Chris Hogan out of the game, which is, that's a smart takeaway of the number two. Actually, they took away the number three because Gronk still had six catches for 87 yards, the biggest catch of the game, which, I mean, you can't do nothing against. Gronk was guarded by two players. Brady threw a beautiful ball. You know, so in, on a play in which they ran three or four times in that, in that uh, touchdown drive, the one touchdown drive that they have, they ran the same play three or four times back to back that they hadn't run. By the words of Josh McDaniel, they hadn't run that play in practice an entire week or even in the past month, two months. And they ran that same play and completed a pass on all three times. And completed a pass each time to a different player at that. With Edelman being like a decoy, like not necessarily a decoy, but kind of that person who, you know, that Brady is reading. And it worked. It worked. Everything that they game plan, nothing, none of that worked. Nothing worked. And, you know, Josh McDaniels did a wonderful job for completely throwing out, you know, said that he threw out the playbook and everything that they were doing. He just scratched it all and just said, we're just going to go with what we can think of for this entire drive, which was those, that was the drive in which they ended up with a touchdown. It resulted in a touchdown. So, great job by the Patriots. You know, the Rams, you could have done better, but best believe that the Rams will be back. Um, someone asked me a long time ago who had a better career. Um, Tom Brady, or who career would you take? Tom Brady, James, LeBron James, or Michael Jordan? My answer has been LeBron James, and it always has been LeBron James. Reason being, um, LeBron was, out of those three players, you know, I see that, you know, LeBron, he openly went through it, you know, like, not necessarily openly, but he had more chances to lose, kind of, so to speak. You know, he's battled through more tests, in my opinion. The AFC East has been worse, the worst division in the AFC since I've been watching the game. The Bills have been, they have, I haven't even, I don't even know a great Bills team. This past Tyrod Taylor team that made it to the playoffs was the best Bills team that I had seen. So I, I really don't know what can you call, you know, I, I, Tom Brady, don't, don't, don't take me wrong. Tom Brady is great. You know, he's a GOAT. All three of these guys are GOATs. No doubt about it. They're GOATs. They're great at what they do. They are all in the conversation of being the greatest of all time, but we all know that there's no true answer to who the greatest of all time is. But who who has the better career? I would take LeBron any day because LeBron has openly, like, it's, it's, it's visually, it's, you can visually see it. You know, it's visual that, you know, he, not everyone wins. You don't always win. And I think that's more important to learn in a career than winning every time you get a chance. You know, we speak of that because that's what Jordan, that's what happened with Jordan. Every time Jordan made it to the finals, he won. Okay, perfect, 6-0. Yes, Jordan went through it. He had he had a little adversity, you know, and it's, sometimes in life it's about how you deal with adversity. But in that time, I don't think Jordan really dealt with much adversity. He had, for one, he had a, a Robin and Scottie Pippen who, you know, was has been one of the, you know, he can go down as one of the best Robins that anybody could have, any Batman can have. So, you know, and we're not going to, you know, Kukoc, he, when he came back, when he left and came back, Kukoc was another, is a huge piece. You know, Steve Kerr, a huge piece. Being able to knock down threes as he did. You know, Dennis Rodman, a huge piece. 
a, a very huge piece. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of things that we don't discuss, but Jordan couldn't get past the Celtics. He couldn't get past the Pistons. You know, he struggled until those guys got older. He struggled. I mean, it is what it is, but that's the truth of the matter. Until he got Scottie Pippen, Jordan struggled. You know, that can take me back to the Kobe situation, but I'm not even going to get into that because I know one day it will come a time where I would be able to argue about this Kobe. You know, Kobe and Jordan and Kobe and LeBron. We, we, I'll get to that. We're going to get to that one day. But I'll definitely, it's no question what I wouldn't take LeBron. You know, LeBron, I don't see where anybody else could have done some of the things LeBron has done. LeBron played in the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors in 2015 in which he lost, he lost Kyrie. He lost, um, yeah, he lost both Kyrie and Kevin Love. His two All-Stars, he lost both of them. The next best player, the most reliable player he had on that squad was Matthew Dellavedova, and he still found a way to win two games. Who would have done that? You can't, t- there's no way possible Kobe would have done that. No way Kobe would have done that. Brady is not winning he he wouldn't have won he wouldn't have even won the Super Bowl without Gronk or without Edelman. I don't care how bad Gronk's season has been. He wouldn't have won the Super Bowl without him. He wouldn't have won the Super Bowl without him. That, that game would have went into overtime. We don't know what would have happened. We don't know what would have happened. Because Brady was lost. He he couldn't do nothing with that defense. Nothing against that defense at all. He couldn't do nothing. And Jordan, he definitely, like I just said, Jordan couldn't win without Pippen. He couldn't win without Pippen. So why, why, you know, LeBron still got two games. He he got two games. I don't see, I don't see why you wouldn't take that career. But I, it's no question about me. There's no question with me. I just want to touch on this real quick before I go on a break. The Pro Bowl is a joke. It's a joke now. It's become nearly a non-contact game. They might as well start playing two-hand touch for all I care, for all anybody should care. I think it's it's slowly becoming more uninteresting to viewers, and I I just don't know if you know it's really going to make the money. It's all about the fun now. That's, that's all it is. It's all about the fun, which is understandable. I mean, they're all-stars. So I understand the complete fact that it's all about fun, but you know we have to wonder, you know, is it, you know, how interesting will the Pro Bowl be? You know, will you still get the same viewers? Will people still watch a Pro Bowl in which they're not necessarily competing? You know, sometimes people look forward to the Pro Bowl to see how well these All Stars that don't play against each other all the time or don't play with each other all the time, how well they'll gel together, how well they'll play together. You know, we're not even getting like the NBA in which we get a fourth quarter that's serious. We don't even get that. So, I don't know. It's it's just something to think about. It's something to think about. And I don't want to get into it because it's, it's kind of old at this point. But, I, you know, I don't like that the Pro Bowl is a non-contact game now. Um, you know, like I said, they might as well go to two-hand touch. If, I'm going, if you're going to blow the whistle before I even get five feet close, before I get three, four, five feet close, you blowing the whistle? Man, go ahead. Give me some flags. We can play flag football. I'm not playing no padded game. with. No. Come on. Relax. Relax. When we come back, we're going to talk about that NBA trade deadline. It's a lot of crazy things going on, man. But where where do we think Anthony Davis will end up? What's the best place for him? I think I know. And we're going to find out next. One thing I know for sure when it comes to the Pelicans, man, is they bet not. They better not try to trade right now. Because there's absolutely... Now, let me take that back. The Pelicans could trade now. But there's only one team that I see them being able to trade with right now. And, I mean, from the way it's looking, they're willing to do what everyone was hoping they wouldn't do. Which is give up their whole entire squad to get Anthony Davis. Now, this team is being is this is the Lakers we're obviously talking about, and 
the Lakers have offered, you know, basically their entire young core. Now we're gonna talk. I I really do not like it at all. But um, the people that they're talking about offering is obviously Lonzo. The Pelicans have stated that without Lonzo in a trade, they won't take a trade. So Lonzo is automatically to be traded. He is automatic to be traded there. But you got Lonzo, Cal Kuzma. Those are definites in terms of Pelicans. You got um, who else they added? They had Brandon Ingram. Okay, Lonzo, Cal Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. They offered Michael Beasley. They offered Lance Stevenson and Ray John Rondo. Now you tell me who's left. Who else is left on the team? Like who else is left on that team? What what else can those boys do? I just don't I don't see what what's left to be done on that roster. You know, you can bring up some guys and you can figure some things out. They also put in two draft picks with that. And offered to take Solomon Hill as a salary cap relief from the Pelicans. Like, it's just, I, I don't, me, I don't like it at all. Reason being, for one, you're not doing anything that this year with that. You know, if you give up all of those guys, you're not being able to, like, what will you win? I love LeBron. I love what LeBron has done. I love the things that he's made happen. But bringing in Anthony Davis before the All-Star, right before the All-Star break, what is that going to do? You're not going to be together. You're not going to be able to play together as good. You know, you got to figure out how to, you know, make them the two coexist. And, I mean, it could easily work. You got Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis working for years in New Orleans. But it's just all, it's not the same when Anthony Davis, 70% of his shots is in the post. You know, it's not the same when 70% of his shots is in the post. Yeah, he can do a lot of different things. He can dribble the ball. He can, you know, he can maybe hit a mid-range here and there. He can hit a three here and there. But... 70% of his shots is in the post. LeBron James, and we all know what works with LeBron James is shooters. You have to put shooters around him. Chris Bosh was a shooter, and it worked in Miami because he was a shooter and he wasn't in LeBron's way. But it also took Chris Bosh out of his game a little. And he became somewhat of a... You know, I wouldn't necessarily say weaker player, but he wasn't the same Chris Bosh that we've seen in Toronto. That's without question. You know, so you you have to wonder, like, is this is it really worth it to give up all of these guys? I see completely why the Lakers are doing it. They don't want to end up in a situation like they did before where Paul George said that he wanted to be in L.A. and turned around and went to OKC, and now he signed another contract with OKC, and they completely lost on their chance with Paul George because they didn't go for him. And they played around and wanted to wait until the summer. Well, with the Pelicans, they have, con they have you know, you have control. The Lakers have control if they try to get him now. So I completely understand what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. But we all know their best offer in terms of what they have and what they want to do, you know, it can go either way. You can get Alonzo to, to team up with Drew Holiday, and it would be similar to what Rondo and Drew Holiday did in the playoffs last year. And we know how well that worked out, you know, in terms of the two coexisting. But Alonzo is a better scorer than Rondo. So that's what changes things. He's younger than Rondo. He's a better scorer than Rondo. But when it comes to defense, when it comes to all of those different things in his long, the arm length, the hands, all of those different things, Lonzo is there too with that as well. The vision is all there. You know, so that could definitely work. It could go and coexist. You know, in a Cal Kuzma, you know, and we're going to start, we're going to compare this to the, the Celtics and what they have to offer. The Celtics obviously told them that the only way he's going to get there is if he waits 
if the Pelicans wait and be patient until the summer. That's the only way Danny Ainge would have made the trade, which is understandable. That's definitely understandable. But we all know that the Celtics are, lo- are too loaded. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have made a name for themselves. themselves. Jalen Brown doesn't even start anymore. Jason Tatum can't find a shot for nothing. You know, he's, he's playing like a shell of himself. He can't figure anything out, but it's just because they just have too much going on. They have entirely too much going on. This is, I mean, what can you really do? What You can't really do anything. You got a Gordon Hayward. You got a Jalen Brown. These are two guys who are definite starters on, or even if they were out in, on other teams, they're definite starters, and they're playing off the bench, and, you know, they're inconsistent. Have good games here, have good games there, but they're not even consistent enough or close to it. So, I mean, you know, you look at all of it and you see what's going on and you you like what you like. You like what you see in L.A., but with L.A., you're needing almost their whole half of their roster just to get Anthony Davis. Anthony, you know, L.A. would – it's just not smart if they do that. I I don't like that trade. I don't like it. I don't like that trade. Anthony Davis is in the hole too much. LeBron has to go to the hole in order to be successful. It's what happens, and if they don't have a shooter, there's no way that can work. Unless they have something in their plans where they know they're going to get Klay Thompson, they know they're going to get Bradley Bill, where they know they have someone else in the back. You know, uh, you know, I, I just don't see. I don't see if they got something else up on their sleeve that we're not all noticing. Okay, that's all well and good. I get it. I trust you, Magic Johnson. I trust what he is. I trust what he's capable of. I understand how great he is as a businessman. So I completely you know, believe in him and what he's capable of doing. I just at all do not like, you know, giving away all of your young guys, your young core that you've worked on, that you've built, that foundation that you've built, you know. I don't like giving up that foundation to try to start something new in, you know, in Anthony Davis. You know, I I don't like it. I I don't really like, you know, letting go of, your core, your inner core, you know, because nothing works without your inner core. You know, nothing works without your foundation. Nothing works without that bottom half. You can't get a top half if you don't have the bottom half. You know what I'm saying? You can't be sturdy if the legs of your chair can't be sturdy or your chair can't be sturdy if the legs aren't there. The legs is the foundation of the chair. With the building, the bottom of the, the building is the, the structure of the building is the foundation. That's the that's the building. And it doesn't work if it's not there. You lose out to, on your foundation if you give up all your pieces in the Lakers. The Lakers will lose out on their foundation. And I don't like it. I don't I'm not a fan of it. But if it happens, it happens. You know. In the end, Anthony Davis and LeBron James will be great together some way, somehow. I don't I don't necessarily know how if they don't get a shooter, they won't I don't see it happening. I don't see, you know, anything great coming out of this. You know, but you putting two top five players together, what what do you expect to happen? You know, nothing but greatness can happen. But it's all potential at the end of the day. You know, it's just all something to look at. Uh, a few other things that we want to get get into about the trade deadline really fast. Um, Porzingis. But before we talk about Porzingis, I want to also say that, you know, a couple guys that are still out there, um, you know, Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, no trade has been made for those guys. Jabari... Jabari Parker, rumor has it that Jabari Parker is being um, in talks of being traded to the to the Lakers as well. Um, so, you know they, you know they're looking at doing a lot of different things. Um, and then also um, something that actually has happened: Rodney Hood was traded to the Trailblazers for Wayne Baldwin the fourth, as well as um, Wayne Baldwin the fourth and Nick Stalks. Excuse me. Um, in a pick. So, you know, we, I mean, if they get the Rodney Hood from the Jazz, that'll be tremendous for the Blazers. I can see where that, where they were thinking in that. Um, that's a tremendous bench piece. And I just hope that they do actually get that Rodney Hood. Um, I'm, I was in love with that Rodney Hood, the younger Rodney Hood, who came to the Jazz coming off the bench and, you know, made his, made a name for himself. Could shoot the ball. He could do whatever you wanted him to do offensively, and he also was a two two way player. That's a two way player who can shoot the ball, three and D and some. 
You know what I'm saying? That's what I like to call those guys. Three and D and some. You know, so so he can give you a little sauce as well. He's left handed, you know. So we know how it goes with those left handed guys, man. It I mean you know, if they get that guy, if they get that Rodney Hood, you know, I, I can see them doing some things in the playoffs. Is it enough to actually compete? No, not at all. They still have a ways to go in that sense. Uh, they need an actual real star um, and not a role player. But it may be in the makings of making room for something else great. You know, you just never know. We we, we just hope that, you know, that there's some type of competition coming towards the, the Warriors. Um, but back to Porzingis and the Mavs, to the Mavs, you got Porzingis, you know, made it. He, he went to the Mavs from the New York Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. Well, he also went with, you know, along with him went Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, Courtney Lee. The Knicks received Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, and Wesley Matthews, and then also two future first-round draft picks. Now, you know what I like about this trade? I think overall I like the trade. When a, when a player, you know, we're growing into this time where players are growing to have control in the NBA over where they want to be and what, what they want, want to do. You know, players now have control over things. They can go into an office. This is legit what Chris Stops Porzingis did. He went into the New York Knicks office and was traded nearly the next day. The same day. You know, he Porzingis legit had complete control over what he wanted. He went in saying he didn't want to be there anymore. He he doesn't want to play for them anymore. And they traded him right there. Right then and there. Gone. So ah oh man. I, I just, you know, I, I just don't know, you know, why. I, I I just, I hope, I hope that it works out. You know, for the maps, they're looking to, in their own little way, win now, I would, I would assume, um, now being next year. And I think they're moving in a great direction, that is, if Porzingis is healthy. Um, and that's the big gamble there. Um, Porzingis has to be healthy in order for this all to work, you know. And if he's not healthy, then what do you, you know, you 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 gambled on on something that that just didn't work out for you. Um, I don't know, you know. They have been talking about trading and shipping off Dennis Smith Jr. And we all know he's he's a very talented guard. Um, he recorded his first, you know, what's ironic, just the day before. You know, they, the Mavericks played the Knicks. Then it's just Smith Jr. had a career high in assists with 15 and recorded his, a, a, his second triple-double. You know, so, you know, that happened. DeAndre Jordan, you know, there's been talks that he will be um, bought out by the team and can choose where he wants to go. Now, that DeAndre could be a huge piece for them, um, you know, for anybody. You know, he could definitely be a huge piece. The one thing about this trade, though, that I didn't like was that the Mavericks gave up DeAndre Jordan. And them giving up DeAndre Jordan, you know, you you get a guy in Porzingis who, in my opinion, is not one of the better rebounders, as good as rebounding as he, as he should be. He's not as great of a rebounder as he should be being seven feet tall. You know, he only you know, average six to seven rebounds a game. Seven feet tall and you're only average. I mean, come on now. You got Antetokounmpo. Obviously, he's not as aggressive as, as Porzingis, or Porzingis is not as aggressive as, as aggressive as him. Obviously, Porzingis is not as aggressive as him, but you're seven feet tall. Seven feet tall, and you can only give me seven rebounds in a game? A game? Seven rebounds? Come on, bro. With, you know, with it being that way, I, I just don't like them giving up DeAndre Jordan. I think he needs a player like that, someone who is going to rebound, someone who's going to do that dirty work in rebounding so he doesn't have to do it. I don't see it and I don't see it and haven't seen it in Porzingis throughout this entire time. So, 
you know, with him needing that, you know, that's that's another reason, you know, the Mavs are not ready. You know, they have plenty of time. They have an entire year before they even get him back. You know, not necessarily the entire year. They have to the beginning of the next season until Porzingis is back. So, you know, I, I really think that they need a true, you know, great center, someone that's going to rebound the ball, um, you know, because giving up DeAndre, you know, was huge in, in their rebounding numbers. And, you know, that was something that DeAndre did. But swapping Tim Hardaway and Wesley, um, you know, Wesley isn't the same that he was back in even Portland or even when he first got, you know, to Dallas. So, uh, you know, swapping that, you know, was okay. you know that's okay along with the two future first-round draft picks. You never know who you can get in the draft, but, you know, Tim Hardaway, that's a great pickup. You know, he, he completely, you know, he completely handles the shooting aspect of everything. You know, Luka isn't by himself with Tim Hardaway when it comes to scoring. Um, so, I, you know, I think that was a great pickup for the Mavericks. I think this does the Mavericks well. And the Knicks going all out for free agency, I mean, hey, you know, to each his own. If they feel like they can really get someone, they know something that we don't. You know, but they have two max contracts now. It frees up that space. So whoever wants to come into New York, which is, you know, it's a great market, so you never know. Um, but whoever wants to go to New York, that will be the best place to go. And speaking of New York, you know, New York, like I said, is a great market, especially in entertainment. Another professional or another star athlete has got another entertainment gig, and he might be finding his way to New York this summer. We'll find out who that is next. So, this guy Kyrie Irving, <coughs> excuse me, Kyrie Irving did a tremendous job with Uncle Drew. Um, I'm sure everyone's seen Uncle Drew. Um, the 26-year-old the Boston Celtics player has plans of starring in a new horror film about a haunted Oklahoma City hotel by the name of Skirvin Hotel. A lot of NBA players play, have stayed at this hotel, and it's been haunted for years. And, um, you know, they... You know, it's been said that a lot of paranormal activity occurs in this hotel. And, you know, they had never just gotten to the time in which they wanted to do a film on it. But um, this is definitely something to do. Um, and so what makes this all so special is that Kyrie will now be executive. He will be a executive producer on this film. Um, so, that, you know, with all that being said, it's just, you know, what he's doing is he's building that foundation that we spoke of earlier um, with the Lakers and them giving up all their players. He's building that foundation for his future, you know, and doing something that he's really into, that he loves, that he likes, that he really enjoys doing. And I think what a lot of people forget to do is, you know, remember that, you know, there is a career following the game. You know, there is a life. You have a life following the game. Whatever sport you're a part of, you have to figure out what's, what else you're going to do, what's next. You know, NFL stands for not for long. And that's just with the NFL. The NBA doesn't have a special thing that it stands for, but we all know that NBA careers don't last forever. And at the end of the day, to be able to have another career and something that you truly love, you know, that does nothing but bring you more happiness. It gives you an outlet to things, you know, when you have so much going on in the NBA, so many rumors, so many things going on, so many people wondering, so many people asking questions. You know, it it's something that, you know, he will he will definitely love to do. And I think it's going to be great for him. You know, and I love when I see NBA players do such a thing. You know, it really shows that they know they, you know, it shows a lot to the younger players that are playing, you know, when they really pay attention to everything and really realize like, oh, there's more, there is more to the sport. 
you know, there's definitely more to the sport. And, and, and like I said, it's a great teaching point. It's a great way to show players that it's, it's never only about the game of basketball or the game of football or the game of baseball or whatever sport you're a part of. It's never just about that. We are all capable of doing so much more. You know, so take advantage of whatever other talents that you may have. You know, take advantage of them. And another player that is doing this, you see this you see this occurring a lot in the NBA, especially with you got LeBron, you know, who is who has his film. You know, he LeBron does a lot when it comes to T V and that's a lot of why he, he moved to LA. Um, because it can start up what he wants to do when it comes to this. You know, it's, it starts the whole thing up. And LeBron can now, you know, he, he has a film on the way, shut up and dribble, you know, and he's doing that film. LeBron, you know, had been, there's been a lot of talk around him being the um, basketball player who stars in Space Jam 2. You know, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of different things when it comes to LeBron and TV. And I, I'm, I'm all here for it. I'm definitely here for it. I can see, you know, I can see what he's doing and what he wants to do. I, You know, I, I really I really love, you know, when NBA players are, are doing all these different things, you know. And like I said, LeBron, you know, he has that going. LeBron also, um, well, even in that specific film, the film is, it's a reference to a phrase that a Fox News host, Laura Ingraham, um, forgive me if I'm wrong in pronouncing her last name, but Laura Ingraham used that phrase last year um, when denouncing James' criticism of President Trump. Um, so, you know, those were she referred that to both LeBron and Kevin Durant. And James had slammed, he had told the president that, he basically said that the president doesn't give a F about people. Um, and that was the Fox News response. And this was LeBron's response with his Shut Up and Dribble docuseries. It's already out um, on Showtime. And LeBron is just, you know, he's just one of the few. And he didn't even start it. You know, MJ, like I said, MJ was the one who started Space Jam. But what they're doing is showing people that there's more besides the game. And like I said, I think that's so important for for these guys to remember Kobe and their basketball. You know, and um, Kevin Durant is looking into getting into the business as well so you know a lot of people are doing things like this and you know don't be surprised if this pushes Kyrie to New York or this pushes Kevin Durant to New York you know the rumors there's rumors for a reason you know there was something that started the rumor there was something that was said that could have steered that way so hey um, you know that that's that's a lot that plays a role into, you know, I think what New York has going on. You know, you just got to look at the certain little things that goes on. You know, you got to look at them because all of those things can mean a lot of different things. But New York is, like I said, a great market. Outside of L.A., New York is the second best market when it comes to entertainment and things of that sort, that, that side, that industry. You know, so... Being able to have a chance at going and playing for New York, building something with that NBA team, that NBA franchise, and the history that's behind New York, and just all the things that you can make happen, it's hard to not take that, you know? That's what's going to be sold. The Knicks are also, you know, they're tanking this season. I mean, giving up Chris Stops, Porzingis, what you, I mean, what else are you doing? You're tanking. You have nothing but plans of getting, I mean, even though, Porzingis wasn't going to play this year, so they were tanking anyway. But, I mean, you 
what else you thought was going to happen. So, you know, like I said, with that being said, he's this is definitely a, um, you know, this is definitely something that I think a lot of young players should look into, they should notice and pay attention to. As I've said countless times in this segment, the sport is not the only thing that you're doing. And at some point, basketball will end. At some point, football will end. At some point, baseball will end. Hockey, golf, whatever it is, at some point it ends. Find something else to do. Find something that you love. Find something to put your money into. Find something that will better you and always have you and your family, you know, good. You know, I'm talking about your kids' kids. You know, think about the future. That's what we have to start growing to think about. Think about what's next. Not think about what's now. Think about the next. Think about the future. When you start thinking about the future and you think about what can go on later, you know, you will you will become better. You will, you will be good. South Carolina has a lot of great things coming. And there's one special player that's coming this way. In March, he could be coming this way. We're going to find out who that special player is. South Carolina has a lot of different things going on, man. We have continuously, you know, been overlooked in many different ways. But I think we're slowly getting away from that. And that's why... I really want to do this South Carolina player profile thing because I feel like there's a lot of great athletes coming out of the state of South Carolina right now. And, you know, they're taking note. I mean, they're doing a lot of big things, that being on the collegiate level, the pro level. Um, it's just a lot going on in the state of South Carolina when it comes to players and, you know, players coming from this way. So I just think this is a great time to do it. Um, and it's going to also steer into some other great things that I want to do with South Carolina players. But, uh, you know, that right now, before we get into that player profile thing, we're going to talk a little bit about um, that guy Zion and how Columbia has an opportunity to see him again. Um, maybe for the last time, the last couple times before, you know, he goes into the he goes into the draft and ends up wherever he ends up, whether that be Phoenix or New York or wherever, um, or even Cleveland. You know, those are all top places in which he can go. But you got in March, Columbia has the first two rounds of March Madness this year. So, what could happen is. Duke can be a number one seed, in which that is very highly likely. Um, you know, with them beating Virginia, I think that was their biggest task. And with them beating Virginia, not having Trey Jones back, I just don't see where they could not be a number one seed. I just don't see how they could be put as a number one seed. So, um, and then the top four in the AP poll are, are very steady right now. So. Um, with almost, I think, a little less than two weeks or a little bit over two weeks left in the in the season um, before we, we start championship play. I think, you know, there's a lot, there's a huge chance in Duke becoming, you know, a number one seed. And with them being a number one seed, you get to choose where you would play. And I think Duke would have um, one of those top seeds. Um, and you have either Columbia or Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then you got the top four teams being, you know, the uh, – <clears throat> you have the top four teams being Tennessee, Duke, Virginia, and Gonzaga, respectively. Um, and then you got Kentucky, who has found their stride, you know, and it's crazy. They, they truly found their stride, and they're truly playing great basketball right now. I love what John Calipari has, has been doing. P.J. Washington is playing wonderful um, in his sophomore season. And, you know, they we're looking. I'm looking for a lot from them. Obviously, front runners to – not necessarily front runners, but they have a great shot at, you know, fighting with Tennessee for that SEC championship. 
So they have a chance at getting a number one seed. They would just have to beat out Tennessee, and we just don't know what exactly will happen with that. Um, you know, but it is definitely it is definitely something to look look forward to. So um, we will see what happens. But you know, I like the odds. You know, Virginia and Duke they legit may switch between two and three, but that's about it. Um, if Duke takes another loss, though. I can see them being knocked out of the top four. Um, if that loss is, well, just in general, if they take another loss, Virginia's only loss is to Duke. And, you know, that's who is number three and number four. Gonzaga beat out Duke. They beat Duke earlier in the season. So with three losses compared to the two that Gonzaga has, I don't see how Duke cannot be put at number four or even number five, potentially. You know, so it all depends. Um, and it also depends on who they lose to. But uh, I, I really I really see, you know, Duke finding their way to Columbia and playing as a number one seed. You know, fingers crossed it would be great to see Zion back um, in Columbia again, that's something great to see. Also, before I get to the player profile, Debo Samuel and Hunter Renfro, two players from South Carolina and Clemson, respectively, were out in this at the Senior Bowl um, a week or so ago, showing their quick feet, and both of their stocks rose um, in this year's NFL draft. So. You know, look forward to. I can see. I can see Renfro being a lot. We're gonna talk a little bit more about those guys later on, but I can see a lot in Hunter Renfro. I can see a lot of Wes Welker, and I think you know that's a guy who will be tremendous for somebody as a sure catcher. And you know, I think that you know that's something for us to really look forward to and what Hunter Renfro can do in the league. Then you also have Debo Samuel, who I think does a lot as well. He can do many different things. You just never know. You never know um, with Debo. He can run the ball, pass the ball, run, kick, run back, kick returns, punt returns, whatever you need him to do, he can do it. Um, and that's the great thing about him. That's the great thing about Debo. Um, and as we know, um, even when you look at the Rams and the Chiefs offense these past couple of years, they are a lot like these college offenses. And Debo does a lot for an offense um, on a college level. You look back at him in Carolina, um, him and Brian McClendon, they did some great thing. They did a few great things um, here at Carolina. So, you know, we can see a lot. Coming from Debo, we can expect a lot coming from Debo. I can see him being in the first round, so it all—it just all depends. We'll see what happens, but I'm really—I'm really looking forward to that, to see how things flow and how everything goes when it comes to him because I, you know, they're great. Debo is a great player. You know, I—I've seen him firsthand. Because like he's a great player. Now we're on to the South Carolina profile. And we're going to go with who else but John Morant. Um, I've talked a lot about Zion. We could have started with Zion, and Zion is from Spartanburg. And that's someone who we could have definitely talked about. But John Morant is a guy out of um, Crestwood High School, which is a high school in Sumter, South Carolina. Um, you know, young, he was a young, young, raw prospect, you know, coming out of high school. You know, as we all know, he ended up at Murray State. He plays there now, doing a lot of great things for that team. Um, and you know, we—you never—we don't know what we're going to what we're going to get from him. But he, like I said, he he does a lot of great things. He's been an internet sensation. Um, you know, he he's he's been he's been very good, very good. This season, he has the ball a lot. Um, and I think the one thing that, you know, looks like his downfall is, is, you know, turning the ball over. But 
he averages 24 points a game, 10 assists. 24 points a game, 10 assists, and but it's five five turnovers. Um, he also averages two steals though, so he's he's forcing turnovers as well, um, with roughly around six six rebounds, shooting 51 percent from the field. So he's not doing too bad. He's doing pretty well, um, you know, and he he's doing a great job. You know, he's top three player in the nation without a question, and you know, believe it or not, you know, you you can look at it and you can kind of compare him to R.J. Barrett and what R.J. Barrett has done and the inefficiency that R.J. Barrett has been to the Duke basketball team. You can, in your own little way, you may be able to slide him as a the second best player coming into the draft next year, you know, behind Zion, who is obviously the number one. You, you you can look at it. You know, you never know. You can look at it like that. So, I, you know, I see a lot in Josh. You know, obviously they both can score the ball. Josh scoring more points than them, but you got Zion. And you got, you know, you, you got a player playing for Duke and you got a player playing for Murray State. Um, so, that's obviously a difference. Um, the leading scorer has been from Campbell University, Chris Clemens, um, in terms of leading in points per game every year. So, you know, I – that plays a lot into a lot of different things, but I think without a doubt, John Morant is easily top three, arguably top two player coming out of college this year if he decides to come back because he can easily decide to stay at Murray State. Um, he's a team player. He loves his guys. If you check out his Twitter, he tweets a lot about his guys and everyone else and never, you know, he's maybe the most humble guy you can you can meet um he's all about his his team you know and that's what you need in a point guard that's what you need in your leader um you need someone who's all about the team and all about everything team and i think you know like i said that's huge and that's going to be huge for anybody i would love to see him playing with someone like devin booker in the phoenix um you know i I just hope that, you know, it all transitions correctly and it all transitions the right way, and I don't see how it wouldn't. Um, like I said, he have to fix those turnovers, averaging five turnovers a game, you know, in the Ohio Valley Conference. Um, so, you know, that's something that you definitely have to pay attention to when you're as a recruiter, you know, as a, um, when you're looking at your draft prospects. But, you know, there's no question at all that he's – look, John Morant is on the way. And that's just, you know, one guy of South Carolina. That's no tie, no question. Hashtag SC made. John Morant, something special. Before we end it all on this episode, we're going to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart. And that's that Power 5 schools have now voted for mental health services to be a part of the university athletic programs. This is something that I've been talking about for a while now, and them requiring this, starting with the Power Five schools, is going to be huge for the NCAA as a whole. I've been big on athletes or NBA players, not necessarily NBA players, but NFL players, and this domestic abuse and things of that sort. Those have been the things that are continuously having a negative impact on the NFL. And I think it's one simple fix to this. And I think, you know, you have to find out what is going on with these guys and what's going on in their head. Figure out what the problem is. I think it all starts with where they're from and what they grew up in. A lot of these players who are top players came from single-parent homes or they came from low-income situations in which, you know, a lot of times you have – moms who are being beat you have you know you know you have a lot of different things drugs and all type of things as what these these guys are seeing on the day-to-day on the streets that they live on they they have they, they call home the streets that they call home they're consistently seeing men beating on women they're consistently seeing men passing drugs from one man to the next you know as the way to make money they, they know that that's not right 
But at the end of the day, this is what they're consistently seeing. These are these guys. This is what's going on through these guys' minds. So, it, you know, they see a lot of game-related things. They see violence. They see a lot of different things in which the sport of whatever it is, football, basketball, it becomes their outlet. You know, and that's what they're going to school to do. That's what's keeping them, you know, steady. And you got to do like DeAndre Francois, who is now kicked off of the Florida State team because of his girlfriend making a post of her allegedly beating him. And the thing about it, yeah, it may be true. And by no means am I making this right. But that particular situation and how quick it was, you know, how quick Florida State immediately dismissed him. You know, it it becomes serious when you start talking about mental health. You know, and that's what I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of people pay attention to it and really understand that it's deeper than what you see on the TV screen. These guys go through a lot of different things in life, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that everyone is not out here just beating on women. That's not, that's not what is, that's not what goes on. It's not what happens. You know, I think that a lot of times, yes, some of these guys may be beating on women and that may be what's happening. It is what it is. But by all means, you know, these guys go through a lot. You know, they go through a lot. These athletes go through a lot. And sometimes women may not, you know, nothing against women, but when you add in a relationship to going through a lot, you take you may take out your anger on what you're going through on a woman that doesn't deserve it at all. So as a man, that's your fault. Fine, that's your fault. As a man, you should be able to take in what you're going through, talk about it, deal with it, handle it on your own. You should be able to do that as a man. But at the end of the day, we have to have some sort of sympathy there. So that's why I think these mental health services are important because it gives these guys an outlet, someone to talk to, someone to help them through what they're going through. A lot of this also steered from the suicide of Tyler Helensky, who was a quarterback at Washington State. And, I mean, you know, suicide is definitely a touchy subject that I don't want to get too much into, but Tyler Helensky and that suicide speaks volumes to what goes on through these guys' head. These are, you know, outstanding athletes, outstanding players who are obviously going through a lot, who could be who are so talented and could do so many great things. But because there's no mental health services, they're just consistently pounding these guys with, hey, we need to play. Hey, we got practice. Hey, wake up. Hey, let's do this. Hey, you got a meeting. Hey, you got that. You know what I'm saying? They're not getting a break. They're not able to deal with what they're going through, what they've seen. Some of these guys seen a lot in their lives that people on a normal day-to-day life, like people who have normal lives have to go to therapy for some of the things that they've seen. These guys don't have normal lives. They go to college and become superstars and, and, and have such huge images and brands that they don't even understand yet. But just you don't have any sympathy for anything that they're doing. You know, you're not believing what they're what they're putting out. You're not attempting to understand what they've been through, their life, their life struggles. These things are important. I love that it was a unanimous vote, you know, and I I'm just pushing that it makes it throughout all of the NCAA. I really hope that it makes it throughout all of the NCAA because. Like I said, mental health is very important. Anxiety is important. You know, a lot of different things, small things, is very important. I personally know people, you know, some loved ones of my own who have dealt with anxiety and they continue to deal with it. And it, it really is, is, is real. Mental health is real. It's something that we all have to pay attention to and we all have to really you know, take time with and and really sit down and understand. It takes time. And the NCAA is doing a great job in in working working in a great direction in terms of handling this situation. And I really commend that. 
I just had to get that out there. I had to say that. But to bring it all together, I want to leave everyone with something that I think a lot of my show today has preached about, and that's about foundation. And the fact that we always have to have a foundation. If one wants to be successful, if you have goals of being somewhere or going somewhere one day, you have to build that foundation. So take the time, all my young friends and everyone else that may be listening, take time to really build your foundation. You know, take time to find out you and what's best for you. Find out how to become as structured as you can so that you can be smooth and all the small things are always handled. If you just handle the small things, the bigger picture will always be smoother. The bigger picture will always look much better if the small things are handled ahead of time. So, you know, take that, as I said, and just continue to work on your foundation, continue to work on you. Foundations start with self-care, self-love. Start there, you know, grow a, a something, some things about yourself, grow a care for yourself that no one else can have or take away, and really just be there for you because you are the most important. You know, your mental health and your mindset and what you are about, that's what's most important. So continue to grow and continue to build on your foundation and your structure so that you can one day be that skyscraping building that everyone sees when they come across the skyline, when they drive across the top skyline. You know, you can be that, you know, that beautiful thing that everyone sees walking around on a day-to-day basis. But in order to get there, you have to work on your foundation. You have to build up what you want. You have to grow to be there first. And I'm going to leave everybody with that. I thank you all for listening. I appreciate your time. I can't wait to talk to you all again next week. Look out for me to be um, bringing on people on my next episodes, my next couple of episodes. I'm going to start adding in people and giving people an opportunity of speaking. And we're going to start talking about different things and debating different things. And I'm going to start putting other people in my segments. So continue to be on the lookout for that. And if you want to be in my segment, just DM me um, on my social media, Instagram or Twitter, Roger K. Jones. Or you can, um, and I'll put this this down on, you know, my my, uh, where I put my episodes at and where I release my episodes, I put them in, in, the, in the bios and things like that. You know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Also follow the Beyond the Sport page, underscore Beyond the Sport. On Instagram, that's the tag. And then on Twitter, the tag is BT Sport RJ. So please follow us. Please um, continue to grow with me. Continue to be with me. I appreciate you.